Okay. Um, instead of having a recorded message or talk this morning, um, uh, I'm going to do it live. Uh, I've got it here on my my phone, which has just decided to go completely do lally. So excuse me while I I get that ready. And very unusually for me, this this happens to me very rarely. But I woke up the other morning and I had a verse of scripture in my mind. It, uh, I'd love to think that it happens all the time. And I wake up every morning with a, with a fresh verse. It doesn't happen that way. But it happened to me the other morning. And it was this verse from Zephaniah. Now, you may not know the book of Zephaniah. It's a short book. It's one of the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, it's only got three chapters. And to be honest, the first two and a half chapters are really bad news. It's, it's the prophet's perception from God about what is going to happen to the nations, uh, including his own nation. And he's really saying, look, guys, God has given you chance time and time and time again, and you're just not responding. So God is going to take some action. That happens a few times in the Old Testament when God really wanted his people to respond to him, but they didn't seem to want to cooperate with him. And then at the end of that period, or the end of those two and a half chapters, rather, Zephaniah comes in with some beautiful, beautiful promises from him. And it's one of those that I want to, to feature as I talk now. Let's pray as we start. Father, we want to understand your word. Holy Spirit, will you help us right now, please, to hear from you, as we think about this part of the Bible together. Amen. Uh, let me just say, I'm, I'm not trying to draw any comparison between the times of Zephaniah and the, the times of now. I think it's very different, and I, I don't even want to give the impression that I've got any kind of connection between the two. I haven't. But in chapter 3, verse 17, uh, he says this, uh, and this is the New Living Translation. The Lord your God is living among you, he is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Or in the, the NIV, that last bit is, um, he will rejoice over you with singing. It's the only time in the Bible when we hear of God singing. But in fact, we get the impression that God sings, that God really loves singing. I mean, after all, we can sing. He created us to sing. He created the whole idea of, of music and of expressing music and of the emotion that goes along with that. Sometimes very happy emotion, sometimes very sad emotion. So it makes sense that, that God experiences that as well. Now, I don't know how that works. I don't know whether God actually bursts into song or, or how it works. I have no idea. But the way that he wants us to understand it is that he rejoices over us with singing. In the previous part of the, the book that you read there, there wasn't so much for him to rejoice over, but he found some people, people who were humble, people who had good hearts, people who wanted to follow him, and he rejoiced over them. There were lots of unpleasant things that happened to some of the people that didn't want to go with him. But for those people, it says he rejoiced over them. 
So I woke up with this verse in my in my imagination, in my my thinking, and I, after I'd got up and gone downstairs and, and so on, I looked it up in the Bible and I started to consider it. And I've been considering it ever since, really, probably for the last couple of weeks. And a couple of questions have occurred to me about it. The first is this. I wonder what God sings. I wonder what he's singing. I spend quite a lot of my time singing about God. I worship together with other people. I worship on my own. And I know what I'm singing. I'm telling him how how wonderful he is, how beautiful he is, how great he is, how grateful I am for all that he's done. But I wonder what God sings over us. And I, I really pondered about that because a, a lot of the time what we think God is thinking about us probably isn't worth singing over. Um, we we may think that, that God's a bit frustrated with us or that, that he's, in fact, he's probably bothered about somebody a bit more important who's somewhere else doing something. But that's not the impression that we get from this verse, and it's not the impression really we get from the whole of the Bible. God cares about us individually, and he knows us individually. And somehow he manages to sing about these people in a way that expresses that. Now, I know it's written to a group of people, so he, it may be true that he's singing collectively over them. But for me, there's also a sense that he wants us to know that individually. He wants us to know that he understands us so much and sings about us in such a way that he's expressing how much he knows us and how much he grasps our whole situation and how much he wants us to know that he is with us in our situation. It also occurred to me that he was singing not just about our present, but he was singing about our future. He would be singing in a way which was prophetic, in a way which was looking ahead to the things that he sees for us that we don't see yet, things we may only have caught glimpses of or may have no idea about whatsoever. If you look at prophecy, not just in the Old Testament but in the New Testament as well, it's looking forward. It's, it's something that catches a glimpse of what's going on in heaven or of what God sees and it brings it from heaven to earth. I think when he's singing about us, he's singing about the future as well. He's prophesying over us. He's, he's helping us understand some of what is going to go on. And some of us at the moment will obviously be thinking about the future. We'll be thinking about the immediate future. What's going to happen this week? What's going to happen with the, the lifting of this lockdown? What's going to happen to the situation for our children's school, what's going to happen for businesses, what's going to happen for our family. What does the future hold? And I believe one of the things that God wants to communicate in his singing and in his rejoicing over us are the good things that he sees for our future. There's another aspect of this as well. I wonder what 
to what extent we are listening. I wonder how much we are listening to what he's singing. You see, to listen to somebody singing, you have to be quiet and you have to pay attention to them. And so it, it, I can't say I've heard God singing. I'd love to sit here and say, oh, I heard God singing and he was saying this. That's not true. I haven't, I haven't heard that. But I have been attempting to. I have been listening more to him. I want to catch something of what's in his heart, not just for me, but for, for us and for this situation. And I think that we can do that. I think that if we use our time to seek him intimately, we can catch hold of something of what he's saying. Let me read the verses to you again as I finish. For the Lord your God is living among you. He is a mighty saviour. He will take delight in you with gladness. With his love, he will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. Let's pray. Father, we, we know that you have such love for us. Our understanding of that, our concept of that is, is so limited at times. We ask you to open up our knowledge of that in this unusual time that we're in as we can perhaps give a little bit more time and space to allowing you into our lives and to spending time with you. Help us to hear the song that comes from heaven, the song that is over us individually, the song that is over City Church and the song that is over your church worldwide. If you are rejoicing over something, we want to be able to rejoice with you. So please help us. Amen.